Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 92. This is the Option Podcast. That guy over there, Brian McDermott, the episode starts right now. Guess who's back? Back again. Guess who's back? <laughs> Clean shaven. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? What's up, man? Brian McDermott, episode 92. How you doing, man? I had a meeting. I had to nail it. I didn't know my audience. Mustache had to go. So it was, oh, a, it was a good run, but it, it was time, especially now that I'm outside and I'm coaching without a mask. Dude. One day it was uh, the first time in two years I've been coaching outside. It's good to be back out there. So how you doing, man? Good to oh, see you. Oh, man. It's good to be, yeah, outside breathing. I mean, look, California, like June 15th is when there's a full release of freedom thing, but outdoor activities where we don't we don't have to wear a mask and i wouldn't even know that i just got back from louisiana just got back from new orleans kenner kenner um, new, um louisiana for the coconut beach tournament which you did a great job with by the way it was uh was that your equipment or no. was that on site and and you were just no that was, so that's normally there and yeah listen court one if the, it was kind of a like a half m amateur setup. So if you asked if that was my equipment, uh, I would actually wear that proudly. And I'm I'm like, wow, I find a way to actually do a live scoreboard. But um, you know, the multiple camera set, they had the dip camera. It was a first yeah. class setup. I mean, that that was. I'm like, dude, this is a next. <laughs> this, <laughs> I'm like, right? They had like the revolving camera. They had the back shot. They had side to side. They had three headsets. All they needed was a G like me to call it. You know, I mean, I made. I made some mistakes, but I think with the first them doing this for the first time on this level for a next, um, I just want to defend them a little bit because there's been a lot of um, criticism too. Before I get to the good part, Brian, um, yeah, it's a first look. It's a first time setup for a next. It looked like an NVL that had a lot of money. <laughs> like if the NVL had a bigger budget, that's how they would do it. They took the media stuff and they moved it down. So it's more intimate. So like the announcers and people aren't speaking from above, like a like a hey ho, you know. Um, it, it's it's just more intimate. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna ask because um, I actually did the broadcast in 2016 with the NVL, and it's funny you say that because that's exactly what it reminded me of. We didn't have the camera that can go in and out. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say there was a couple people I kind of agreed. I thought that sometimes I think people try to do too much with it. Sometimes I think the best thing you could do is just kind of leave it overview so we can kind of just see the spacing. That being said, uh, if that's the worst thing we have to criticize, I, I like the fact that they were getting close up. So it was one of the things we were trying to do when I was part of that team was we always wanted to make sure like without making it too noisy, like how many up close and personal shots can we get in between the plays? Like you want to start getting players identifiable you know, that's how we brand our players. That's how we get the storylines. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that like you said, I think that's the biggest tournament for sand that we've had in the country since the end of 2019, right? I know we had the Champions Cup last year, but you want to talk about the size of it? It's the biggest tournament we've had in almost two years. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool to be able to follow a lot. I didn't get to watch all the games, but I, I watched quite a few of them. And 
yeah, it was, it was exciting. Like the storylines. The quality was excellent. I mean, first of all, I mean, Rafa Rodriguez and Peter Marciniak put on a show. We, um, oh, yeah. they, they put me in with another color guy. Um, I could do play by play and color, but we were just trying to do our job. And if, I mean, <laughs> we're trying to call it. And then Rafa like dives for a cut. You know what I'm saying? Fakes like a back set, and then Peter just sets front, and he goes back front, nobody up line. I mean, I mean I'm like, dude, <laughs> the gang is back together. Because if you remember, um, I don't really see him running those plays with Ed Ratlitch. No. You know, but they had I success, mean, too. And I mean, that's, that's the thing, you yeah. know? Like, Ed was good enough, like... And, you know, at the same time, there's, there's more than one way to win a tournament, right? Yeah. And, well, they got a chip, right? I mean, San Francisco. Do they get... Just one? Um, uh, him and Ed, him and Ed got I know they one. were close in a couple. They got one. And, well, Rafa was always going to be there at the end. He's the most under underappreciated person on the tour, I mean. When I you think people, he is now, though? Yes. I I think, ask, I, I'm like, who has the best hands in the AVP? Everybody's like, Sarah, sponsor, this, that. And I'm like, have you seen Rafa Rodriguez set? You never accuse him of deep dishing it like sponsor. You never see some, him with his hands too high like Chris Austin. His fluidity, I mean, he's like a... An exotic Skylar Del Sol, man. You know, Phil, Phil's got great hands, but you see Phil having to fall down to, to make the perfect set. Not this dude. This dude's jumping to hit, changes his mind, and sets. And his fluidity is awesome. He's not taking it low and bringing it lower and back up, which which some FIVBs, you know, reps are called a carry, you know. But uh, we're definitely going to talk about hands because we need to put that to bed too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting oh – uh, there's so many posts on social media and there's so many conversations like uh, uh, about hands. And um, I think it's time you and I got together and educated the American public as far as <laughs> what the actual one, what the actual rules are. And two, um, regions, uh, uh, how could I say uh, franchises, companies, they get to do whatever they want. So I think people need to understand. Actually, I'd like to start first and then I'll give it to you. If Pottstown Rumble, right, they have side-out rules, right? They use the old ball. They use the big court. Uh, what else am I missing that, that was old that got changed? Um, well, tape serves, right? Well, yeah, no, grass, no, no, so no let's serve. Kind of the norm. No let serves, yeah. Yeah. Listen, are those the official rules today? No, but it's their brand, and they get to do whatever they want. You go to Connecticut, you go to those windshear tournaments, or I remember Sherwood used to have those big doubles tournaments. They actually have a mandate about the ball's not allowed to rotate one and a quarter second. Uh, and then they were like, no, one and a quarter times a second. And they're like, no, just turn the whole time. And then I'm like, so if I set a one, <laughs> if I set a quick set and my guy hits it before it turns the whole time, is that legal? But so, but the, they're explicit in the pregame like uh, the players meeting or whatever, players and coaches and whatever, they're explicit, at least in the beginning, what you know coming in, right? And then you got CBVA, right? Who um, these guys spend 10 years learning how to catch and throw the ball so it doesn't, so it doesn't spin, right? And, and for, the, for those guys, with respect, if they, they don't leave the zip code. And if that's where it, uh, the best beach volleyball is, they assume that's how everybody's supposed to play. Right. Then it's the NFIVB match and it's like, oh, my God, it's spinning like a helicopter. Oh, it's been. Oh, oh, they just made it easy so big guys can play not from this country. And I'm just like, my God, take a fucking plane trip, dude. Get on a <laughs> purchase a ticket. I'll pay. I'll pay for half just to get some of these people to shut up, dude. So 
my take, and I'm going to give you the floor, is there are a set of rules that are not new, that were not changed uh, to make the game more exciting. They were always there. Uh, um, but I like that certain leagues... And this includes CBVA. I got love for CBVA, man. That guy, that guy kept it afloat, even even when COVID happened and the world went to hell, man. Um, Chris Kyle Brown, that's his name? Is that his name, Chris Kyle? Yeah. He's awesome, yeah. man. He's awesome. And I, I mean, I, I actually meet the guy. I don't even know it's Chris. And that's how cool he is. He's just, you know, he's, he's, he's one of us. So, so mad respect to all of the leagues that arbitrarily make their, their rules, you know? Lastly, Chris... At least CBVA was smart enough to actually make serve receive overhead illegal. You know, for the people listening at home, here's another education. It was never illegal. It was never illegal not under the old school rules. It was only illegal to carry it or double it. Those those rules were the, the, it was not protected. Um, and at least for him, if you just get rid of the rule altogether, you don't have to have these arguments about it being clean or whatever. And and now it's taboo. You know, and good for him. You're this um, some of these discussions on hands or whatever, and I know you you've uh, just shared some stories with me or whatever, and and, and your take on on hands. You know, two weekends ago, uh, I went to Ohio uh, with Kristen. She, I'm, I'm basically coaching her at this point, 36, but a lot of mileage. Uh, I know, looking at our Olympians, it's not too old, but I, I'm really enjoying coaching. I'd rather do that. Uh, but it was I played. I, I picked up a guy and. We just went and had a good time. It's my first open in four years. Uh, it's crazy to think about. And obviously, the the hands have have changed in regards to at least locally. Um, to, like you said, depends on your circle. And I think that's the frustrating part about it is that um, I'm even okay with there being more than one way. There's so many different organizations. There's so many different levels. I believe with our sport that it might be good to have at certain levels different rules because we want to find that sweet spot of not making it an ugly game. We want to have, I, I'm, I'm a purist. I like the skill. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want like that, you know, you don't want games to end on whistles and stuff like that. You don't want it to be that big of a factor. Um, the, the challenge I had, and we had to ref twice and, and I tried really hard to, to, I had a lot of conversations that day with different people before refing. Um, while I was playing, I got called once each match, which admittedly self little surprise because my hands are quicker than the normal hands. Um, I thought they were symmetrical. There was some spin. Um, you saw court to court and ref to ref. There was a discrepancy. And I think the challenge and, and really the obligation of tournament directors to your point on like what Chris did, um, in, in California, we need to have at events consistency on what the expectation is right if we start a tournament and at the beginning at the players meeting a director explains that we're going to be a little more old school they, they want it to be about spin they want it to be about um you know how clean the ball looks when it comes out as long as the expectation is set and both teams are held to the same level i got no problem with that i whether, whether i like that or not if people are like you know we're going to be a little less picky on the spin, but it's about where the hands are, the symmetry of it. Um, I got no problem with that either. But when you're at an event and you're, you're learning kind of on the fly, right? Um, after that first call, I, I wanted to talk with that ref because I wanted to know what he was looking for, right? Um, and, and you had different perspectives at the same event. That's where I think hands get really difficult. And as an educator, 
to my my players, right? And it's really tough at the juniors level. I think the lack of consistency as a whole is tough because our kids, we're trying to get them to watch the pro level. And yeah, you watch, um, you know, at the FIVB, FIVB, I saw the ugliest set I've ever seen not call in oh, a yeah. international game. And it was funny because I, I went on Beach Volleyball Coach's Facebook group and I, I referenced it. And, and three or four different people commented and said I had the exact same thought. And I questioned, because I'll admit, I haven't looked. I was like, is there an, a rule that I can look at that explains it? And I'll admit, like, I, I, I've been slammed with work. So it wasn't important enough to me to look. But not a single person in a group that's dedicated to our sport had it ready and available. And I think that kind of is a reflection of, of the issue that we have to tackle over the next couple of years. Um, what can we put in place? What format, you know, can we create a system where at least every tournament, there's a process that allows players that are going to have to ref or play under different refs to have a clear cut expectation on what will be called and why. And without those conversations, I think that's where we're, we're seeing a lot of, of, of confusion in gray area and people not really knowing how to play and how to ref. Yeah. Um, and, well, and yeah, you know, we'll see. Well, I saw what you posted, and for me, just my take, I think the referee generally would call that, and he just swallowed his whistle. You know, I mean, they're gonna be there's gonna be a player two here where people are gonna use as a straw man argument of, yep, setting's gone to hell. Why did I tell you? See this play, and I, I think people need to be very careful with something we call affectionately referred to as a straw man fallacy. You get one or two plays or whatever where the referee swallows his whistle and then use that to judge as a collective whole. And I think, um, um, I think you and I were just using examples, um, but I think there are a lot of people that are kind of lazy with that. And my take on that was, I just think the ref missed it. You know, uh, um, I remember talking to uh, Ryan Millar for Indoor. Um, where they were trailing Russia 11-12, and David Lee just took over. Boom, one ball, and then blocked the oppo. And then at, when they're up 13-12, the, guy, the, the setter goes to position four, and instead of just back setting, he literally does, if you ever saw the movie Side Out. Oh, remember, yeah. Remember the know, end when the guy exactly faked the spike meant. and then just kind of does a layup? Yeah, and then finishes with one hand. I mean, it was a carry and a double. So for anyone yeah. that thinks you can't carry and double the ball at the same time, just only the movies. Yeah, just scroll to the end of side out, and the final play where he goes for like the fake hit, and then just kind of the layup to his partner. But, but it was an absolute chuck, and the referee swallowed his whistle. And if someone was going to use that as a straw person argument, oh, that's how indoor is called. No, it's not in how indoor is called. The the refs just swallowed his whistle. In fact, I think it was Kevin Barnett and Paul Sunlone on the mic. Um, Kevin's got that great great voice for indoor. It it was a chuck. I'm I'm pretty sure that was him because they kind of sounded like when they're up, when they get upset and they start ranting and when they, uh, I mean, people hate when they rant. I. Love when when those two rant and he's like, he's on you. Great, we're gonna change the rules just because the game's not moving fast enough. You know, <laughs> how about how about for, let's get rid of these thirteen second serve rituals? <laughs> I mean, these those two are just awesome. But that's an example of for for people who don't watch a lot of beach, they want an, an example for indoor, um, and you and your USA guys. That wasn't an, and and everyone remembers because after the chuck, the USA 
just said forget about it. David Lee, boom, they they had to the setter had to move, and I don't know if it was a 31, uh, or if it was just the setter that moved to position. You know, blocking zone three to, and then set the one. But David Lee put away another one clean, and then they blocked that apple, and then onto the gold medal where Clay Stanley um, played probably his best performance of his life. You know, I got Riley Salmon coming on next week too, and um, I thought he was no. so, solely responsible for winning game five, five, oh, five against Serbia Montenegro, which made the Russia game possible. Um, wow, so we, that was pretty good. Pretty good conversation about hands. I mean, <laughs> you have a pretty good way of like, <laughs> like we, we can, we can discuss this further, Jay, if you want, but I think, I think we nailed it. It really is about the leagues. It really is about, um, them arbitrarily doing what they want to, but I think it's a, it's incumbent upon us as coaches to educate the people on, on what the actual rules are. I had, yeah. you know, Dave Carson? Yeah, AVP ref had him on the podcast way, way, way early, and I like it because where a lot of referees like I don't want to talk about it. This is the guy that stood tall, you know, and he's like, I'm only speaking for myself, which is code for, you know, I'm speaking for my guys in the back. Right. <laughs> what were you doing in Ohio? Again, remind. Tell, uh, tell me again what there, you were doing in Ohio. There was uh, Grand Sands, which huh? love Grand Sands to me right now is the mecca of. Uh, Travis wrote a fantastic mm -hmm. and accurate article. The, the land is so much cheaper in Ohio. Those indoor beach volleyball facilities are popping up left and right. And I got to tell you, I played there a lot from 2013 to 2014. I played um, in 2017 tournament there. Let me tell you, Ohio is getting deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to say that, um, you know, the difference between like Florida and, and the Midwest is our top three or four teams are comparable, uh, but you go down to Clearwater and your fifth through 16th seeds were a lot deeper. And we're starting to see that the depth is starting to improve because there's more opportunities to play beach year round, um, certainly in Ohio. So um, I was really impressed with the level of ball. They got some young players that, that are doing really well. They got some returners. It was, it was a really cool experience. So, you know, we don't have an indoor facility in the area with four courts. So for us, we don't have a lot of opportunity. If you want to play tournaments in, in the non-summer months, that's the Mecca right now. And so Kristen is, is starting to eye a, a chase just to see what she could do and, and maybe, you know, make an AVP run. And I, I really have enjoyed coaching her. So she, she played with Skylar Allen, who's a, she was a All-American third team uh, for South Carolina this year. Her sister's training in our program. They have been, when she's in town, they will drive four hours round trip to train for two. They're, they're just, the, the greats, if, if anyone's watching this that's a parent, player, youth sports coach, you know, I take pride in that we, we teach our kids, we challenge our top kids play against adults. We, we give them a very high-level system. Our kids are successful as freshmen. The ones that really are the great ones, they're the ones that choose to drive four hours to train too. And I don't like that they have to do that, but they just do it. And, and Skylar's name is appropriate. Uh, she, she's one of the highest jumpers I've ever worked with. And uh, it was, it was really fun. You know, we got knocked out early, um, which, which I've been competing. So I was kind of expecting as much, as much as I always think I got a puncher's chance. It clearly wasn't the case. So I was in their box uh, from the third match on. And it was cool. Cause the first couple matches, you know, they, they were, they were trying to build some chemistry. They hadn't gotten to train a lot. And, um, you know, it was, it was her poor, poor Skylar's allergies were killing her all day. Oh, man. Uh, and it was affecting their, their, 
they were struggling a little bit with with dealing with the adversity. Um, but we they lost in the the winners bracket quarter, so they had a long climb, and and we you know let them cool down for five ten minutes. We had a talk, and it was so fun every single match. Them getting better, and uh, so yeah, so we we just went to play a tournament. Ohio people are are super nice. Shout out to the Western Cams. Their facility is second to none for indoor sand, as far as I'm concerned. There, there might be some equal, but no better. And uh, yeah, look forward. We're actually going back there this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big tournament in Chicago, but it's not AVP sanctioned. And so Kristen's gonna, gonna do another tournament with one of the girls she met there. And I'm gonna just I'm not gonna play this one. I'm just gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I I dropped your name at New Orleans a little bit and the in, yeah. indoor facility and all that work. <laughs> all that are probably pretty po- polarizing. Yeah. Um, well, it was the I dropped your name to the right people like uh, Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth. Who um they they won the finals um well via I know four, who they are. via forfeit against if my name meant anything to them. <laughs> well, I think as far as wanting to train somewhere in the winter or whatever and this and that you you found a way you know you did a I thought you did a really good job with the Department of Health in Illinois the state of Illinois and I, I'm and it, and it kind of made national news and this and that and just showing us showing edu- uh kind of like showing people and other regions and other departments of health who might be under their impression they see it, they think volleyball and it's like oh my god sixes it's, there's a room full of people and i'm like no there's there's doubles and and everyone's you know i mean with the exception of tennis and volleyball they're pretty socially distanced right and all the coaches are wearing masks so you you, you definitely have my respect on that but i did mention it to them um I, well i had them on a podcast but I, I talked to them a couple of times they were surrounded by media um, I'm sure the entire the locals and, too on top of the, the yeah. storyline they man you know how bad they wanted that match Talita and Liliana yeah they oh well their last loss they um yep. they'd won I think eight or ten straight tournaments they played and then, they played and then seven. college right and then in college they were a perfect 35 and 0 yeah. God only m- they were six they were six for seven for adult tournaments right. and their one loss was in the final to, to them so, and it's, yeah, it was, in the third set they led 12 nine so they're like oh, wait I, didn't, a second. I didn't know the back yeah so wait so they're, so they're probably thinking hey this is a we can fit we can avenge what we lost in our own hometown after being a perfect 35 and oh this is a dream scenario and then it got forfeit and, and um you are one of the many coaches look my d uh, I felt like a player, dude. My DM blew up because everybody's like, I'm so glad to hear you on the mic. I'm so glad someone, you know, someone finally give you a shot and this and that. And maybe we'll get into that later in this podcast or, you know, maybe after my birthday. Who who knows? Who cares? Um, I did apologize to uh, Larissa and and Liliana because I repeatedly call Liliana a Talita. And... um, and The fact that you could even recognize that you made that mistake and that you own up to it, like... And well, there's two there, things there you can so do. There's so much going you, on there. Well, you, when like, you make a mistake, there's two things you can do. You can go in hiding, right? The two smartest things. Go in hiding until it blows over, right? Or just come clean and, and leave yourself at the mercy of cancel culture, which I think I speak for both of us I can give a damn about, right? Um, <laughs> bottom line, uh, it seems like America give me a pa- gave me a pass, but I wouldn't be surprised if the whole country of Brazil is upset at me. But but uh, And I'm not going to treat it like Chael Sonnen, like... Um, Wait, I didn't know Brazil had internet. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that either. But I profusely apologized because I um, will talk off the record on why I was calling her, her Toledo. Um, let's just say let's just say a couple of players were having some fun with me and, and I didn't know it, you know. But but again, uh-huh. straw man fallacy. I'm not going to use this one little thing 
and then dismiss the other 19 things. Um, we, the, we don't have to play a perfect game yeah. and dwell on that cutty that was a little wide, man. Don't yeah. worry about it. You, yeah, you did really I mean, well. It was it was really mm-hmm. enjoyable to, to watch the, the broadcast. And it the was, feedback, it was good. Brian, yeah. and the feedback. Every, I had literally had someone say, no offense to the other broadcasters, but they loved my analytical. They loved me explaining uh, goofy, goofy foot and why, like, some adults keep the lefty approach and this and that, which you, you and I as coaches were definitely going to delve into, like, uh, what coaches' responsibilities are for uh, coaching adults. Um, not your wheelhouse, but I know you have a take on that. You're, you're all about them kids. so I coach adults. Oh, got actually, good. So, so Amy, my right? Is Amy, was Amy one of them? Amy, Amy Tra- uh, Troutman? What the hell's her name? Oh, Tall skinny yeah. Girl? Amy, yeah. So, so Amy, yeah, Amy joined in, in like November. Uh-huh. And that's when we had two months of only one-on-ones. And normally I kind of force only an hour because I think once we get, you know, it's not cheap to do one-on-ones. Um, I made it cheaper. I, I made it only 40 bucks an hour, uh, which is less than I usually rent the courts out. Right. But I knew for those two months that if I made it the premium price, that I, it was better for me. It, it wasn't about the quality per hour. I just need to make as much as possible those months. So, you know, not all my families come from money where they could just throw a hundred an hour. Right. And I wasn't, I was literally not allowed to put two siblings on the same court. I had to have Kristen work on one court with them and me and the other. And I know people are going to say that's crazy. I had parents and players that with good intent, they're like, you know, we won't say anything. But bottom line is I had an anonymous complaint on me already. Um, when the mass mandate first happened and, and it was kind of bogus, but the bomb, the, the health department, they're just looking at the data. So I was not going to risk, um, you know, having that happen. So, you know, Amy wanted two hours um, and she worked those two hours. And when she first came, I mean, hard worker, great athlete, one of the nicest people I've met in the volleyball yeah, community. Keeps the mood and, light. And it was super cool. Like after three weeks, uh, she went up to Wisconsin to play some pickup ball with a group that she said normally she was kind of the, the bottom of the barrel. And she came back. She's like, I was six and oh. And, uh, <laughs> You know, it was fun to work with her on her spacing. Mm-hmm. It was fun to work with her on like getting the approach right so she can hit the cutty and the line shot. And uh, she and a couple others ended up doing some group lessons once we were able to open it back up. Amy was one of the people that when things were really dark, reminded me why I put up with all the crap. And uh, yeah, I forgot that, that you met her. Would you meet her in Carmel? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, she's part of the SOB crew, and I, even though I've only done the SOB once, um, I, let's just say I left a favorable impression where uh, I'm bound, I'm bound to that group forever. You know? Nice. And you know, having a kid sometimes, um, like my kid's four, and, and it's one of those things where I'm like, maybe I just send my wife because they, the only person they liked him, uh, uh, you know, more than me was was probably Kelly, you know. <laughs> so um, I'm, I might go to Carmel by myself and then kelly my you know kelly i'm like look i got braxton if you want to go to mexico we can we can kid rotate or may or braxton's old enough and mature enough bring her with us but yeah but amy amy the thing i liked about her is that she um her energy you you want to be around like this her positive energy you literally want to literally want to be around i mean when i say literally like sit next to her and if she moves gets up and moves you get up and move and sit next to her again like pigeons to freaking brett so you know because <laughs> carmel all we did was sit with each other all the time and and everyone's like you know kelly's gonna drop kick you for this and i'm like for some reason she's like she's like the kelly she's like my kelly substitute you know when when um she's super she's super positive yeah. you want to be mm-hmm. around people that leave you better than you find that i think the mark when it comes down to it, I don't care if we have common 
interests. Mm-hmm. Are, are you the type of person that tries to lead people better than you find them? And yep. I think Amy has that gift. But to go back to you, I don't want to go. I, I love talking about her. That's to go good. to your original statement, just to, to kind of clarify. So we've been training the last couple of months with our advanced juniors. I got about six that, that have been at that level. We've had nine adults that are mm-hmm. in that group. I have always, from the moment I started, when I started my crew, uh, coaching, I had two juniors. Um, it was really random. I was doing college guidance more than beach training. I had, uh, I was doing a blog and this mom of a player that was going to play at Stetson, um, she, she saw my blog and didn't realize we lived 20 minutes apart, completely random. Okay. And she's like, I've got this daughter, uh, Emily Carroll, who's going to, to Stetson. And nice. yep. we're, we're looking for a new training opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it was literally her. And she had this girl she was working with that was, she was a senior and this other girl was, was driving out, out of state as a freshman. Um, she ended up long-term playing with this other girl, Aria Palter, who ended up playing at TCU. Those two were playing against three adults I was working with. That's how the camp started. I have always put my top juniors with the top adults I train because I, we have to make sure we're not here to have our kids be the best at beating 16 and 18 year olds. My goal for my college kids, found kids is when they're the 19 year old playing against the 19 to 22 year olds, I want it to slow down. I don't want it to speed up. So, you know, another good example, Brooke Burling uh, came over at her senior year. She was a 16 U national champion. This girl was already committed to Arizona on a scholarship. Um, but her mom recognized that she was playing in an environment that was marketing her for her success, but wasn't really challenging her to continue to raise that bar. And the two things that I think on top of being able to put her against better competition, she went 0-3 her first practice. I'll never forget that. And the thing that makes her great is instead of being down about that, that girl, every single water break, every single time out, is coming to me for data. She just wants to get better. I love Brooke. She was, I, I miss having her in Chicago. Her family moved. Uh, Brooke is the gold standard of what you want an athlete to be from a training and development and personality. It's just, just, she's a fiery, she's fiery, but in a positive way, love her energy. But well, she, yeah. um, her shots, even as a national champion player, I could tell right away where her shots were going. I paired her with a girl that played at USC, Emily Young. I did two on one. So I was the server and all I had to do is touch the ball before it hit the ground, no block. And I beat them 15-2 because I could tell when she was going to cut a line, she had too many tells. So her senior year, we had to work on on making sure that she made her approach look the same every single time, a little Todd Rogers, you know? And second, um, we needed to work on her defense. She, you know, she was so fast and kids at 16U, even at the top level at that time, I think kids are getting a little more refined now that the sports become a little older at the juniors level. Um, she would cheat all the time. So I could just keep my peripheral on her and snap my wrist where she wasn't. And I was going to beat her every time. So we had to teach her how to read the tightness of the set and set her base up accordingly. And I, my philosophy is defense is not about guessing where they're going to hit it. Uh, defense is about seeing the tightness of the set at our level and setting up your base so that you have time, you know, you're, you're closer to the area where the ball is going to be in the air less and you can chase where the ball is going to be in the air longer. Um, you know, you have to change depending on the tendency of your opponent, but at that level, we had to work on that. And Brooke was phenomenal her senior year. So, you know, we, we absolutely work, you know, with, we've got nine of the top adults and not all of them, but most of the top adults in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it's fun for them because 
as good as they are, they want to keep getting coached. Um, you know, or, or we got some as young as 22 that just got out of college and we got some in their forties, but they're veteran. And it's cool because, you know, we got some, we got four girls that are over six foot and we have to play them differently than we play our five, five women that are super crafty and shot. And I love having all the different looks in the gym so that our kids are starting to understand how do you play shooters versus hitters? How do you play hitters that dominate out of the middle versus on the pin? Um, it, it's, it's really, we, we coach anyone 11 and up all, all levels. So, yeah. Who's the girl going to, um, um, Stetson again, Emily Carroll, she played, I mean, she was there the first year they went to nationals. Um, oh, so and, she's and already at Stetson. Oh yeah. She's, she's, right, she's cool. graduated now. She's back in the area. Oh, okay. it's cool. She, she played two years. I think mm -hmm. she was all conference both years. I watched mm -hmm. her. I know this is early. I think it was like the second year there's a national championship. And not to be pompous, I thought she was the one player at that time. There were great athletes at that time. She won her match against UCLA. Um, they, I forgot, they had one of their best indoor players playing, but she was the only one that actually pulled, you know, like an actual big. She was the only one that I thought was like setting and shooting the way that, that we want to, you know? Yeah. And uh, she transferred out after two years. I think she burnt out. I remember her senior year, she played 22 tournaments all around the country. I mean, she was just... You know, I, I think she needed some time to just be a college student. And it's been so cool the last two years. She's kind of she's back in the area. She got that fire again. Yeah. And, and Stetson's she's been back doing some good things, man. I, I Stetson. It. Look, the coaching at Stetson's really, really good. I mean, they have a good recruit, recruiting base. And I'm not sure exactly exactly sure where Jackie Silva is these days, whether she was at Stetson or FIU or somewhere else. But whoever they got there, man, they always there. I mean, I mean, you got they got she got sent there a good player, but. 10 months out of the year, got that good coaching. And I think they, were they the ones that upset USC the first round in 2019? Uh, or was it FIU? Yeah. It was Stetson, right? That was, so, that, yeah, so, that was that was back when. Uh, here, here's actually yeah, a she, video. She was going by that here's a video yeah. of, one of one of my girls. I was uh, formerly with uh, Endless Summer. I was with them for five years. And this is Finley Rollins. Watch, watch this girl. So she's the one I'm going to hit the option. She's just this bouncy little girl and just just mur uh, just like murders the ball and maximizes like her use, her snap or whatever. And it looked like it almost looked like it didn't even clear the net like she hit it on her side, like 10 foot line. So she's going that arm. Where's the block? Yeah. I mean, it was just it all happened too fast. <laughs> like, I'll show yeah. you again. Here's I, I just want you to appreciate the wind on this. So let me go back. So watch the wind. Watch where. Do you see where it took serve receive? <laughs> it was like her, her. Yeah, but look at that. Yeah, like they're both pulling before the ball's even up. True. Not to be. I, no, I the they had bang, two bang. choices, right? Like neither are very appealing. They can run up there and try to get the block and 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 container, or just decide it's too late and go to the ten foot line and try to eat it. You know, I mean, I mean that's that's my false dichotomy. But those are the two choices I was thinking. Um, <laughs> but, nice arm though. Yeah. Uh, God, we mentioned, all right, so there's two things I think coaching juniors and adults have in common. Um, presenting them their options mentally, right? Like some someone doesn't think they can get a ball or whatever. And we had this conversation aboard, like if you go for it, right. you miss. Um, it's 15% chance you whatever, but if you don't go at all, right it's zero. zero so that same level of, of relentless pursuit and that that mentality can be coached on the adult and, ju and juniors level now here's where i think the division is if a junior has a bad habit i think it's more appropriate for a coach to tear down and rebuild 
than it is for adults if only if the habit the adult has works for them uh for example all right got a training group rob mclean or whatever because i was going to use someone else but i don't want to i don't want to out them um <laughs> oz borges rob de aurora where rob is running the practice that day because some days i run it some days oz runs it like whoever runs it's a co-op right whoever whoever whoever's doing the drills they run it so rob was doing kind of like left knee right knee like on the short thing hit you know hit the knee first and pass or whatever i traditionally um and i was jumping in on this when i wasn't coaching i was doing a jump in so I traditionally don't use my knee. I've never used my knee. I, I was the only player that didn't use knee pads. If you ever watch Karch Karai play indoor, he was one. He was someone that didn't do knee first. He just came up and he crouched. And like everyone in the group was like, well, you use too much energy for this. It's easier this way. It's easier that way. And, you know, I felt like everyone was cornering me. And I said, okay, guys, if, the, if this is the drill, if and only if this is the drill, I'll do it. But if the drill is about something else, if it's about transition and this and that, y'all need to back up. <laughs> yeah, you need to back off, you know? And there was a little bit upset, like, you know, I was like, am I in charge of this thing or not? And I'm like, look, just tell me the knee thing is the drill or, or one of the main points of the drill and I'll do it and I'll try it and I'll, and, and I'll come back tomorrow and I'll try it to it and next day and I'll try it. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, I gotta go back to what I'm doing. Point. The point I'm trying to make is they don't understand it. It doesn't take more energy for me to do it because I'm practiced at it. It's my muscle memory. So of course it's not, it's not going to take more energy. If I was asking them to do it my way, yeah. And that's, um, how about just a more broad example, right? Phil, maybe Phil gets a new coach. Is a new coach going to come in and say, Phil, you need to change your steps? No. He has something that's something out of tradition's sake that um, defies the way, the, the one way everyone thinks you're supposed to do it. And, and he's already at an age, he ain't changing his steps. And what he has works. I mean, it defies all, 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 all studies, all of these ridiculous, lazy, small sample studies of biomechanics in volleyball. Uh, um, but that's the one difference where I think coaches or especially players who become coaches uh, it's just a fucking ride um need to be careful sometimes if it works for that person and if and if it's not and if you don't see it in your in a uh, projective future that it's going to hurt them that some things you got to leave alone with adults the floor yeah. is yours i mean i i i'll even go a little bit i'll give you an example i got one girl that um she's going to be a sophomore unfortunately she had to pick one or the other and she she had to do indoor uh, Bree Haggerty is at UNC Wilmington. Um, love coaching her. Like, just one of my favorite people. I, I like everyone. Um, she's up there with any of them in regards to she's a hard worker. She she's. I love when you find someone that can be competitive but not live and die with, like, did I have a good day or a bad day? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like she's super fiery on the court. But her results don't dictate her self-esteem, if that makes sense. So liberating. Um, the most liberating she, feeling in the world. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. Um, she passes so much more arm contact. <laughs> like, like she she low, she winds up and pops. And it drives me nuts <laughs> in regards to the example it sets for the others. Because I'm much about, like, especially hard-driven, like, I want to... I wanna, to create the angle of the ball, do the work, or if it's something lofty, I want to use those legs because every angle that I contact on that swing, if I miss one way or the other, it's not going to go where I want. And she is phenomenal. She's 
on it every time, right? Now, she was only a senior when I started to work with her, or a junior, actually, um, as in high school. I wanted to change it aesthetically because of how it looked to me, but I couldn't deny the results. And so I don't even think it's about age so much as like, I agree with you at a certain level, like if it's not working, we have to make sure that we don't put them in a position to develop habits that they get to a certain level and it creates a ceiling. But uh, it wasn't, I was cranking serves at this girl. Like when we were doing one-on-ones, I was serving, you know, I, I say every player has four corners that you can exploit and the two deep corners you can hit at different arcs, right? So it's six different types of serves I can really challenge someone. And that girl passed every serve I could throw at her, no problem with her technique. Like, I don't, not in a pompous way, I don't think she's going to find someone that can serve a ball, you know, that much better than me that it's going to hurt her. Um, So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, um, you know, even with adults, if they have something that works, but there's a level that I can see, okay, it's working now, but I can exploit it at practice. I think, again, I coach for my people, right? They give me the goals and then I adjust my expectations accordingly. So if I've got an adult that plays A and they want to work their way to open and they've got a habit that works, but I can see long-term it's going to put that ceiling on them. Um, I, I always make sure that we're connected on, on, are we going to break this down and build it? Right. Uh, but I'll, I'll do it for any age. Um, mm-hmm. If I've got someone that that is really struggling with with it and and their goals, you know, they want to get better, but they don't have aspirations to, to it, it's not going to make or break their volleyball experience if that is something that doesn't change and they don't want to put the time in because it's tedious. That's fine too, you know. Um, I think it's, there's there's not, I never want to be soft on anyone in regards to like, I'm, I'm, they screw up and I can see there's a change. I'm just going to blow it off. But I, at some point with some people, you have to recognize that to fix it and what it takes to fix it and what their commitment is to the sport, because we're not making our career out of it. It is a hobby. Even the people, I know we're all chasing the draws, you know, when we're young, but all but 10 of us are going to have to work a second job. You know, so it's important to kind of know, like, is building or breaking and building this going to do more good for them as a person? You know, not just about their volleyball goals. Like, is this work the worth the grind? And uh, the more you're in tune with your athlete and you give them ownership of why you're coaching them and what they want their practices to achieve. Mm-hmm. That that's that's when you have a good time with it. That's when when these people walk off the court every day. And it's not about good or bad. It's about getting better at, at what they want to do. So. Yeah. And, and we got to also remind coaches who's really in charge. I mean, look, for, for juniors, here's how I do it. For juniors, the parents are in charge. Okay. <laughs> We're charging them all this money, twice, twice the amount we charge adults because we know we can, they can afford it. That's the South Bay thing, whatever. Um, college, the coaches are in charge. Can we, can we talk about, before we get too far, can we talk about that uh, high school comment about the parents? Please. Does it have to just be the parents? Can it be the players too? I'll give you an example before you answer that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was still coaching indoor club and I had this 16 year old and this kid had division one athleticism, not a question. And parents are very easily with good intent 
they see their kids potential they see their natural talents and of course they want to invest in that because if the kid buys in and they put the money and time in that can create the highest potential you know if they love it and they're really good at it that's the best they could probably do right but this mom was like pushing the kid into the gym every day like the girl she was a sweet kid but volleyball was not her passion like I was coaching effort more than volleyball. And it was clear, like every time I talked to the mom, she was really selling her kid's passion to me. You knew deep down that mom recognized that her kid had the ability, but didn't want it. She knew it, but these parents feel like I've got to help my kid get there. Right. And, and what I see all the time is, you you beat these kids to greatness they've got the potential in club they got to play 51 weeks a year you go to your high school season you finish a week later you've got your club trials and now with the pandemic like in our region tryouts are before high school now it's bananas um these kids play 51 weeks a year even though sports science says that we're overtraining them physically you know i gotta get information i got a 14 year old that plays uh indoor i've only worked with her for a month and she just dislocated her knee and you know it could have been a freak accident but she's she's going in she's not even in high school we're overtraining our kids i got a 15 year old that had the same shoulder surgery i did at 14. so case in point one day i finally look at this mom and i'm like can i be honest with you and she said yeah i said if your daughter wanted it half as hard and half as bad as you say she did you wouldn't be coming to me trying to convince me and you're the one and she's the one that has to live with your decisions. I'm not telling you she shouldn't be doing this. What I'm going to tell you is if you spend all this time and money as a high school student and then you force her into this and then she gets to college and she's not loving it, whether you want her to or not, she's going to quit. And it is a lot more difficult and expensive as a 19-year-old to re-roll the deck and say, what do I want to do with my life? I know this because I went to college. I was good at math and I wanted to make money. I talked to my counselor about it. My whole life from the age of four on, I was in the 99.9 percentile in math. The numbers just were quick in my head. And I get to college and all of a sudden math is not as simple as computing numbers. It's like I have to study math. I haven't had to do this my entire childhood. And that was the time that I realized the difference between being gifted at something and having a passion for it. And and it was the $13,000 lesson at Illinois State that this was not my passion. So what I told that mom is if you find something she loves, even if she's not as good at it, if the work doesn't feel like work, Mm -hmm. it may take longer. It may not necessarily get the same potentials you want, but your kid's going to be happy and she's going to have a good experience. And it's a lot cheaper and easier to go into different hobbies now and figure it out. So that by the time she gets to college, she kind of has a vision and direction on where she wants to go. Um, So, so I agree. Don't get me wrong. The parents are cutting the check. They absolutely have to be part of the process. No, but what you're saying can't be ignored. I mean, I I was just talking about net worth, like whatever I can go to college. Right. And, and I said, I just said in the college team, the coaches are in charge, but at at any time the player wants to, to like lead the team and decide, uh, you know what? Uh, like, my, like I told you numerous times, my girl at Harvard, 
right? She decided she didn't want this to be her 10 and a half or 11 month experience. So she's in Massachusetts. Maybe, you know, maybe she wants to study. Maybe, you know, economic, maybe you need a 3.5 to stay in the economics program or something <laughs> like that, right? Unless you're Jeremy Lin, right? You, you can be a 3.3, which, which is like an Asian F, right? So, um, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, hey, talking, I'm, I'm talking common denominator, right? Juniors, parents, college coaches, professionals, players they uh, they hire coaches because they have a certain way they want to do it and really for the most part they i think the older you are the more of a chance you're not going to have a coach that has more experience than you <laughs> right lockheed great coach and he coaches a lot of people and he's, he'll never have more experience than phil you know or nick um rich lamborn I think I think Rich Lamborn is a bright dude. I mean, which which definitely for, for stereotypical purposes contradicts his physical appearance, right? You see muscle hair, you're like that guy don't know shit, but he is, he's sharp as a yeah, tack. But technically, he's sharp I mean, as a tack, dude. Is he gonna have more experience than Jay Gibb and, and Taylor Crab on the beach? No. I mean, honestly, being an, an Olympian is not enough. He's an Olympian, an Olympic gold medalist, and he's bright. He he had to have something else to add to that. So Tyler so, Hildebrand. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yep. Oh, man. Jess, that's, that's what a great name. What a great name. Also, what a great dude. Guy, I can't believe the guy. Um, all of the people that come at him and say hi. How the hell does he remember my name? Tyler, we only my dude, we only met twice. You know? You see He's that guy like dish that. back when he was on Team Paul Mitchell, and you'll never forget him, man. Yeah. I mean, that well, guy was just butter hands. Paul well, Beach, too, right? Yeah, but I don't know. For some reason, every time I think of Team Paul Mitchell, I know they had a good. They have a good adult team. Um, I always think of Team Cup Volleyball. That's that was before your time. Um, yeah. Guys, go on YouTube. Look up Team Cup Volleyball. Basically, all of the beach players get together, and they move the ten foot line to the 50, 15 foot line, and someone from the back row is allowed to come up and block. So basically, every single play, you're gonna have probably like three blocks. And huh. um, and and back. This is nineteen ninety one to nineteen ninety three when. The money, you know, when the, the faucet was open. And unlike, that was side out back then, but this was rally to 30, and it was a freeze at 28. So, so before there that's was so before there was a freeze. I've never heard of this. But be, so before there was a freeze, there was a freeze. Man, you're gonna make me pull it up. This is look. This is why we do a video link, version link of, this, later, of this podcast. Because I'd love to like. I want to watch it start to finish. So nah, I'm leaking link this shit now. <laughs> but um, I. It's so weird because I, I I got another hour, so I'm just letting I you think, know that. So. I know, dude. Look, at any point you'd be like, Jay, I gotta go. I'm gonna stop you. In the I, I have to sentence. go at one thirty. I don't want to. I no. have to because I don't. We usually go about three. Yeah. Well, the only reason why I even brought it up is I had Sorensen on a podcast, and um, he remembers it. Like he 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 won in '92 NCAA's with uh, I think Dane Blanton and. Um, Man, it's just a great team cup volleyball. This is Toyota versus Paul Mitchell. I'm going to show you a video of what it looks like. If I don't get hammered with a commercial. So, I want to give you the, the court. This is Frohoff, Powers. Basically, Team Toyota was like all of the USC guys, right? Um, right let me see if I can skip ahead just so we can see the court. Oh, those rules. That's perfect. There it is. Two games to 30. Freeze it. Oh, it's 27, the freeze. Oh, okay. I was wrong. I stand corrected. That's okay. That's yeah. super. 
that's interesting in the aspect of like finding that sweet spot of mm -hmm. the excitement of side out while trying to stay within tv time definitely so they're doing introductions so basically toyota team toyota i think it was as many usc guys as you can dusty devorak steve timmons um i don't know who tim hovland played for but he was a big so look where the 10-foot line is right and um I'm going to do a 10-second skip. Now I want you to see the blockers. Two defenders in the back, right? Saw that? And four yeah, blockers all four. front row. There's Kent Steffes. I have never seen Kent, Kent Steffes play indoor. Yeah, he was a pretty good player indoor. Adam Johnson was too. Adam Johnson had a wicked line. I think I Adam cannot was. imagine his arm yeah. in indoor. Holy crap. Honestly, I think people like him and Pat Powers were the reason. Um, uh, they just the people blocking schemes just stop giving up line. I'm like the dude, you just there's not enough twitch reaction. Some some players you got to know the player and you got and that one you got you have a better Pat powers yeah. watching him fold the ball at six nine was uh, the first time I ever saw a video of him swinging. He hit the roof in the Coliseum on a warm up. Warming yeah, up, like just like a back set or whatever, yeah. like a tempo set. Dude hit through. You know, I mean, think about as hard as a ball can possibly be hit. You know, which, which. By yeah, the way, in New Orleans, we had a bounce competition. That was pretty cool. I don't know if oh, you yeah? saw that. Who won yeah. that? Evan. Evan Field. Corey beat Bruno Amarine. Yeah. Jeff Samuels. I, I said I'm a, I'm a, I Bruno should have been up there in my mind, yeah. but I was thinking Evan or Troy. I'm a, I'm a er, er, Jeff Samuels laundry a little bit. He was a little crass about not going on to the next round, and I, I was one of the judges. I'm like, dude, I gave you nothing less than an eight because Jeff, just on his cruise control, the way he swings, it, it automatically just, just the ball just fires up. So uh, sand in the glass, baby. That's yeah, what I say. no doubt. There were certain. Listen, I, again, I know you have to go, and I don't know what time it is over there because oh, we got an hour. Oh shit! We got stop. time. I just like, Dude, stop I didn't know how long me, we were. Man. I didn't know how long we were gonna watch this video, so I was just making sure we weren't going off the rails too much. I know you got no, other stuff in that time. But, and I hate to keep keep harping back to New Orleans, but I felt like I didn't talk Still about got it. the sound completion. of the background, just so you know. Oh, yeah, moron. All good. Like I said, I'm a freaking moron. But um, yeah, <laughs> let good, me just man. X out Great. of that. There we go. Um, Evan Corey, and um, Logan Weber. Who I, my vote for most improved player of the year between him and Rafi Polis. They won um, that tournament in uh, Ohio that I was at. They were both yeah. there. Every, I'll tell you this. Every time there's a tournament, Evan Corey's in the semis or finals winning and losing. He's yeah. always there at the Blue Nose Athletics. I actually have a hat. I meant to... Sh I meant to wear it actually. I, I, boy, I, I support him. I, you know, he's he's got yeah. a clothing apparel. He's got I love hats I love I like love the, his branding. Like I think sunscreen. that blue nose is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. This kid, let me. This kid that's betting on himself, and then the you, and when you bet on yourself, you still have to win, right? The you know you show someone the product, but the product still got to be dope. He's doing it right, man. And there's a lurking variable, and I don't want to cheapen their victory. Marciniak had had some cramp. cramps. He, he was on his one leg or whatever, yeah. and it felt like the movie Troy when Hector was fighting Achilles, and then Hector Hector slipped on a rock, and Achilles like, don't you, don't you dare cheapen my cheapen my win. <laughs> you know, get up like a man. Don't act like it don't hurt. You know, but. Um, <laughs> You couldn't ask for a better situation. He's a home. He's Kenner. He's Kenner property, property of Kenner, Louisiana. And he's playing in Coconut Beach in the finals with the night lights. And, and at nighttime, Brian, it's like New York or Hawaii. Like that humidity, that disgusting humidity you put up with yeah. during the day at night is that nice warm wind. And you're like, well, wait, I'm not freezing my balls off right now. <laughs> like what? South Bay at night. You got to, I mean, 
I'm at American Junkie or I'm at I'm at Sharkies or whatever. I gotta you gotta wear some sleeves. It was awesome. Just a great scenario, and he got the last kill, you know, to finish the game. Marciniak was incredible, even at whatever, taking half his superpowers away. The guy was still blocking. And eventually yeah. he got some of it back. He was doing sky balls to float serves and eventually went back to doing jump serves. So um it's on TSV TV, guys, and if you YouTube um, AVP America, they actually have one whole file up already, seven and a half hours. So anybody wants to hear hear, hear more of my voice, um, they, they rotate a different commentators. Um, Victoria Dennis was there. Um, I, I think she's actually pretty decent. Um, I think her production knowledge and skills are, are high IQ. She surprised the hell out of everybody. And I'm, and I'm glad she's not phony either. Like, like she has this big smile on her face and this and that. And a lot of people act like that to seem real, but she, it's real. <laughs> that's, that's real. That's Victoria Dennis. I'm, and I'm going to have her on a show maybe with John Ferrari when, if they come to Manhattan beach, but, um, I got to pick before I leave New Orleans, the best MC, um, Dave Shaw, the best MC I have ever met in my life I'll probably in any sport certainly leaps and bounds for the sport of beach volleyball this dude comes uh he's on the microphone and I'm next to him so he's like dude are you gonna wear that Yankee hat is that how it's gonna work all weekend and everyone's looking <laughs> at me do you know does he know you no we well we met during the week and we yeah. had a little drink together and discussed how we want to do it the production team and there were there's some um off the scene stuff. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna talk to you off camera because uh, <laughs> uh, um, it, be it was this emotional journey that led to Friday just for me to actually get there. You you have no idea, but um, a few key people know. But I'm not because it was such a great weekend. I'm not hater J. They they called what's his name? Dave Shaw was calling me hater J the whole weekend. I'm not. Listen, I drink haterade and vanilla. I'm not doing that this episode, Brian. But so <laughs> um, I met him. You know, we were bouncing back and forth, and he's like, are you going to wear that Yankee hat? And I'm like, you mean the most celebrated franchise in all of sports? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll show you. He reaches into his bag, and he pulls out a blazer. And the blazer, like the feel of the blazers, like Oxford clothes. Anyone, I mean, <laughs> you broke-ass people. Oxford clothes is t- basically $2,300 a suit just just to start before you, you, know, you start doing stuff with it. And it's... Boston, B, 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 pictures of Red Sox, Boston, Boston, Boston. Someone took this expensive ass jacket, littered it with red, red, you know, red socks in Boston, and he puts it on, and I can't say shit. <laughs> I, I couldn't just say, you know, we can, we can, we can not win the World Series in the next 20 years and still be the most celebrated franchise. I saw him, and all I could do was be awestruck. I went, me, you know the guy what, who though? likes to talk. What? Let, I had nothing to say, dude. All right, let's talk about this, though, because that's a really interesting conversation to have within our sport, right? Yes. You two coming together, <laughs> and immediately you two have this connection and, and kind of a fun rivalry, right? Because you have a, a connection with a team from your area, and then he's got this connection with the team, right? Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this before. That's what our sport, and we're getting a little closer to it. That's what we're lacking. You know, I, here's what I hope, because uh, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about this this direction I see our sport going right now. But I, I won't I won't go too far into that. But I like the fact that we're starting to see some of the main people in Florida. I think it's good. I hope 
in the next five to 10 years, we get this California, Florida storyline. I think it'd be cool to continue to see people like Evan Corey and, you know, in, Kristen, in us, yeah. Louisiana and, and Weber from Ohio, even though we moved to California, right? But, but to have players that when they're on the court in the venue, that the crowd lives and dies with every play. And the problem when the AVP goes to towns, and I love when they come to Chicago, it's a great venue. We have huge crowds. The McKibbins love it. Sorry, but on ahead. Sunday, you don't have a single team that definitively, like the crowd is like excited when it goes well and agonizing when it goes down. And that's what makes live sports exciting is when you feel the crowd pulling for a side. And we got that with with the LSU duo and and um, Evan this this weekend. And I wish that the marketing people would take a look at this and say, again, I don't I don't know the books. So I'm not judging saying that they're doing it wrong and I know how to do it right. What I'm saying is you have an eye there's a is there a way for us to to find more opportunities so that those last matches we've got a crowd that that's engaged in the outcome, right? Instead of only cheering when it's good volleyball. Because when you're in a final, especially if we're going to start having these 80 team tournaments that are done in two days and you're going to see it just, that's the one thing that Louisiana, I think we've got to address is you don't want to have a final forfeit and you don't want to have a final with one team. We're always going to wonder what if Peter Peter was healthy. It doesn't take away from Weber and, and um, Corey's win. I think it's a testament to their endurance. And I think it's, you know, if I'm a young team right now, I'm excited for these big tournaments because it gives me a better chance. If I'm a better athlete, even if someone's a better player, because I differentiate those two things, you know, it, I just talked to my kids today. Some of my kids, it was the first time playing outside. And even at 8.30 to 10.30 in June, like it was pretty humid out. And these kids were struggling. I said, girls, you got to teach yourself. You got to understand that these tournaments, it's not who's best on paper. It's who can dig deep and find their best after six plus matches, right? Who's going to the last 90 minutes be able to perform. And, and we got to find a way to not have these finals with these asterisks next to them. We got to find a way to make those finals. That, that should be the match. That's like the most riveting and exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to find that sweet spot. And I like it because it was a hot button issue, but, it, uh, and, and the cool thing was it wasn't a hot button, harsh criticism. Like, like people weren't using this as, as, as the thing that dominated the whole weekend. It, it definitely dominated the end. And well, you're strong, this man. Is, this is where you know what I mean, yeah. like it, it could be an exception. Maybe this is, you know, it was an early tournament of the year, the humidity, what was you know? I know some of those players were from Florida and other places. It doesn't matter. Those to, to play nine matches or eight matches in two days, no. it, it, it's taxing. Do you remember so when LeBron it, James cramped up? Remember the San Antonio yeah. game? They didn't yeah. whatever. And it, and it wrote and it really as a volleyball player, I felt like our industry. You know, you had a lot of people that haven't had that injury, and you know, oh, he's a baby. And if you've ever cramped, like you would never take that take because you could be the toughest guy when your calf is on the other side of your leg yeah. and you can't move without your leg. Ba- it, basically, your body's telling you you're done. It makes cowards of us all. Yeah. It makes cowards it, of us all. Well, it just it shows our, our mortality. You know, yeah. we're, we're not invincible. No. We, we've got a certain amount of mileage. Some people take care of their bodies. We, you know, we do our, our natural oil changes and mm-hmm. and tune ups. 
Um, you know, and, and well, and, I was I would never accuse anybody of not being professional, but look, you go into a next. Don't be. Don't think it's like a gold series where you if you just like keep winning, you only have to win five total matches to win the whole thing. Okay, that's a next, dude. That's a next that that got pushed two and a half hours back. Day one got pushed two and a half hours back. So in a perfect world, the winners that had a buy probably should have played at the night lights that first match and then probably only would only have to play four matches the next day which some people think is still not manageable but man you got to get over that that's the one thing and the second thing and this is why this is why you and me disagree uh, a little bit on this or if not a lot bit i brought up the lebron reference because lebron cramps up because he goes 100 percent. he goes like he's playing for a contract like he doesn't have his contract that's why even though jordan's the goat LeBron's 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 my goat, you know, right now. Um, but my question is this: Didn't Monty Ginobili? Doesn't he go 100 percent? Right? Did he did he cramp up? No. You know, doesn't Tony Parker go 100 percent? Jobber, 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 jobber. Right? Um, did he cramp up? No. Uh, did Evan Corey and Logan Weber did they go not go 100 percent? Logan Weber's actually jump serving the entire tournament and running up to block. Did he cramp up? No. All I can say is that. Stuff happens. I'm not accusing like the Brazilians or, or or Peter for not being physically prepared because, like you said, sometimes dehydration is a, a tricky thing, right? Big Mike, well, also- big, big Mike Roselli from Colorado. They call him Big Mike. He's got muscles in places I don't have places, and First I'm like, there's him, no. Man freaking way that guy's gonna last the whole tournament with all that right muscles need oxygen like uh, you'll see a lot of boxers shed some weight you know even for heavyweight and i'm like there's no way that dude's gonna last the whole tournament it's just just a freaky thing please well, chime let's, in. let's go a little further with that like you know and this name probably won't mean a lot to to people outside of chicago for beach ryan stunts um he was the libero for lewis when they won their their controversial championship in 03 he played beach for about four years here before he moved to um, Minnesota. And he was one of the best players back then. Now, he had cramping issues. Um, and and I will tell you, he took magnesium pills. He took, like, he did the science. He did the research to figure out what can I do. And some people, I feel, just are, are they're, they're, I don't know the word for it. Their body chemistry does not, allow for them to go a certain amount before it's going to shut down, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's another player locally, I'm not going to name him because, you know, he's, he's still new enough and, and he played in Ohio. He, he, he went further and he didn't have, it's the first time I looked at him. I was like, Hey, you went the distance and you didn't cramp, but he's had cramping. Like he's gone to the hospital. Um, and it's not a lack of preparation. Some people are different. And again, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm sure the old school players are loving the idea of, you know, they've for years been talking about like, you know, what we have to do is side out in these three hour matches. I get that. I also think that, um, again, it, it's, I, I'm not saying that, that beach volleyball, part of the culture is the endurance. I don't care what shape you're in. And I'm not, you know, again, Corey and, and Logan, they're young it's going to start catering to the young players if we're dealing with four plus matches on multiple days in a row. Yeah. Um, and particularly and so, the young players that play in that region, right? I mean, there's a reason why Evan Corey wasn't failing it. He, he lives there. He trains there. Um, you know, I know a lot of these people move and they have these training groups and this and that. And then there are people who just get more from like just acute training, like Qatar, Qatar, mm-hmm. uh, to, 
to my um, my knowledge, because I talk to people from Ghana, West Africa, Mamdou is a coach out there. They don't do training groups. They just they just the two of them, and maybe they'll fly in and like play, you know, scrimmage the Spaniards or whatever, two sets or whatever. And look at them, like four four star tournaments, four finals. I don't know who. I mean, they, I don't know who. I mean, I'm. I'm out there as far as who won the finals this weekend. I know, I know the Americans did, did well again, which we'll talk about before we, we leave, I promise. Um, Are you talking about the Clays men's or women's side? But, well, I know Clay's and Sponsor won. Uh, I think they I don't won, know they won the gold won. I twice. thought it was the Netherlands versus the, the Czech men, team. The Netherlands won. Yeah. I just found out. I yesterday. think they beat the Czech team in the final. Right. But my point is Qatar, uh, the last five four-star tournaments were in the finals four yeah. four of those times and won one because the cats the way the mice play the yeah. norwegians right so sure um, Sharif is something yeah. special training groups Ooh. i mean what the norwegians don't even have a tan but that's all but that's like a whole other story uh, right they come to the tournament they don't have a tan you think you think they're not out there training in south bay but um <laughs> i think like what you were talking about that was one of the lurking variables i just wanted to point out before i let you continue right i think Corey trains out there. He's used to the humidity of the year. Uh, um, and mixed martial artists, if they go to Mexico and if they don't have good altitude training, a good fighter, a smart fighter will go out there uh, for his eight-week training camp. Instead of training like here or in Temecula or, this, you know, Redondo or whatever, like Fabrizio Redoom lives in Redondo, but when he, he fought Cain Velasquez for the, um, the MMA heavyweight title, he did his entire training camp out there, and Velasquez didn't. He's a, he's AKA and I think that's um, New Mexico, like Albuquerque or whatever, um, or Phoenix doesn't matter. But he 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 got he gassed he gassed by by the time the third round came, his coach is like you got to take him down. You take a jujitsu guy down as soon as you take him down, you got to keep your head up. He didn't guillotine choke tap out. That was it. MMA example I'm using for volleyball because Evan Corey looked like he was getting stronger in this tournament and in the finals. That that I guess that cruise control as 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 you have for, as a former player a beach player because I'm I always refer to you I, I only I'm a grass player and I mean we could talk about um, grass hands later but but um this dude got stronger in the tournament where everybody else seemed like they were fatiguing <laughs> he was jumping I mean, higher just, at I'm the just end. I was telling dude. you in the or in my early twenties mm-hmm. I think about things I remember in two thousand nine for indoor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Ironically, and I was about this pasty. Uh, Ultimate Exposure was a tanning salon, and my buddy hooked us up with the sponsorship. We had the hotel for the whole week at Nationals. We won regional, so we actually profited at Nationals. Um, well, you're a professional. I played. Then. I played co-ed. <laughs> uh, I, I played at the open level. I, I laugh at the pro. When when it pays my bills, I'll be a pro. That's a literal definition of professional. No, the literal and, definition is getting paid. Okay, just because your job sucks doesn't mean you're not a professional. Just because they pay they pay you worse than McDonald's doesn't mean you're a professional when you do so. So if I play poker online and I, I net five dollars, am I a pro? Yep. You, it just means we can agree to disagree. It just means your, mean your job so, sucks. So, <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, fair enough. <laughs> Well, so so we're, we're we have different opinions on what professional like the the quality of it, right? So you know, I don't know someone I would consider a pro. I could. Please I think don't people let me drive us pro. off the cliff, man. Steer us back. You had a point. Please steer us back. So I, I, almost, I almost took both our asses off. I played. I played <laughs> two days. I think we played eight full matches of co-ed. Uh, we had two days off, and we had seven guys, and we ended up making it to gold. We beat the team in the first round 25-12, and we lost in three. Can't tell you to this day what happened there. Mm. And we went the distance to the national championship. 
We went three sets in our last, three of our last four matches. We played 32 sets in four days alone and we had no bench. And I cracked jump serves the whole time. And I look back at that and what I'm telling you, Jason, is they would have taken me out in a body bag by day three. Like, even when I was in shape as I got older, like, you just don't, as I get older, it's not that the, the country song. I'm not, I'm as good as a, I can be as good once as I once was. No, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, right? I can go and play with the top guys in Chicago and and do my stretching routine and go all out and I can hang. And the next day I am, I, I just don't recover the same way. And I just, especially with a lot of our players who take care of their bodies at 30 and 40. I'm not saying that there isn't a level of endurance, but I think when you're talking about nine matches in two days, yeah. I, I think we're getting to a point where, where the question, yeah. I, I'm not saying no, it's going to be from, but, but we have to keep an eye on if we have two or three more events like this and every final is is who survives instead of whose best is better, there's going to be a point where it's going to make it more difficult. If the goal is to get interest in a TV, well, who's going to tune in for a final to watch someone just hobbling and trying to, to, right. to, to find bells and whistles on how to, to perform? One of the greatest performances I ever saw was, I think... Raquel in uh, in Florida, she was playing with Kaya in the NVL, and they were in a final. I forget. I think they might have been playing Pre and uh, Pre and um, I don't know who Pre. She played with multiple partners that yeah. year. I don't remember. She's, Point a, is, she's a hit she, woman. For she hire. she like made a move, and I'm pretty sure um, she tore her meniscus. I mean, she was on one leg, and she I formationed just like Karch and Lambo, um, and and ended up pulling it out right did they win the yeah it, it was it was incredible and i think they forfeited because she coached marina and kim and that was the first event that they won that's why it was so special well the next tournament sorry yeah. kristen was you know she's remembered yeah. she was there no it's all good yeah because that the it was incredible because i can't think of a time in person that i've seen that the team hobbled just figured it out iq wise right it's just, it's for every one of those stories, you've seen 50 games where it's like kind of watching a wrestling match where one guy's kind of carrying the other one to make it more exciting. It, it doesn't make for good spectator. And our goal, as far as I'm concerned with our sport, is to make it more spectator friendly, to get more interest, which in turn will generate sponsorship and advertisement interest, which will get the TV deals we keep saying we need. Right. So like... I agree. Like even Jake and Taylor had the extra day when they had to play nine straight matches in Austin, right? They um they they lost the first round um in a three day draw and they had the extra day and, and they I remember and that. they did it, but I think oh. you're right in the sense where I don't see Jake doing that the next two tournaments. I'm sure he I'm sure he had a good talking with Taylor Pratt. Yeah, could he have about, done like, that without Taylor? Do that could again. he have done that with another guy his age? You know, I don't know. No, who the hell wants? Know. I mean, yeah. Well, look, if you're old, you, the first thing you do is pick up someone young. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, Todd, right? Todd had Phil at the right age. You know, Jake has Taylor at the right age. Trevor and Tribe, they're they're gonna yeah. ride and die together, which is yeah. what I wanted. To, we only have a couple of minutes. I, I, Thirty-eight. I, 
I'll give you a hard stop at one thirty. Thirty-eight minutes? No, we're, we'll, we'll stop earlier than that. I just, I it's just. Up to you, man. Um, I'll talk about anything you want. When you're when you're tired of me, you can end it. Cool, man. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be the day. Um, <laughs> my take on the Olympic entries. All right, we already knew Alex and April were in. I'll start with the women. They're, they were one and one A between them and the Canadians, depending on how Rebecca from Brazil wakes up and what she ate for breakfast. Um, I had a big problem with Clay's and Sponson in the beginning because my eye test, my first take, and I'm, I'll get some blowback for this, but I got I I I can't be dishonest with my followers and 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 my haters. Okay, the guy called me Hater J for a reason. <laughs> that MC. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that they thought in their heart of hearts if they got into the Olympics that they can win gold. That's how I felt about Clays and Sponsel at the time. I liked them. They were spunky. They're good for the sport. You know what I'm saying? They're social media friendly. Um, but I'm like, ah. Like, and everyone's like, oh, you know, and you got a group of people. There's Kerry haters, like, I wish she would just go away. And there's Kerry people that are like, I like Kerry, but I'm, I don't like the chemistry with her and Brooke Sweat. I was one of them. I thought if she had Betsy Flint, if she had Betsy Flint, that would have been a wrap. You know why? Because Betsy on the other court has this thing like if you serve her, she's going to F you up mm-hmm. physically and mentally. You can't say that about Brooke Sweat. You can't even say that about um, um, what's any Sarah Hughes. You can't say that about a lot of defenders, you know, Cause Betsy will F you up. And mm-hmm. she, there's a reason why they serve her partner. It's not because she has crappy hands. All right. Now, with that being said, when the facts change, so does my opinion. <laughs> Listen, they went out there and they won gold in Czech and so in so uh, in Russia. They won gold at the Czech Republic, and there's this killer mentality where their confidence either has changed or it's always been there, and I and uh, and it was hidden in plain sight from me, and I was just too cocky to see. So, I just wanted to get that out there for the women, because like, I've been uh, I'm not I haven't been one of their biggest critics. I'm just I'm like. I've, we've been coaching for a long time and we mm-hmm. have an eye test like this first take like I don't think this person thinks that they can win the whole thing you know mm-hmm. and and but now can now I'm like not only can they do that they can, not only I, I I think that they believe that they can beat the Canadians and and anyone anyone else who gets in their way go ahead sorry no you're good I I didn't want to interrupt that either no so, that, that was just the and, and I want to preface this before people watch if, if they get questions I with everything going on with with running my facility and, and the pandemic, Cancun was really the first time in a couple of years I, I started to pay attention again. But I've been watching. Lock um, in. So right. it's been it's been cool to to really boy see the just the international level. It's just it's exciting. But to to your point about like they didn't think they could win, and and I've I've been reading a lot of volley talk, which I don't know if that's a good idea or You're not. You're a celebrity. Come and, on, and you're the on thing, there. <laughs> And the thing <laughs> they mentioned that, your name. Sorry, the thing that that gets me a little fired up when we're not the ones in the arena is like, is it about that they didn't think that they could win, or that they were in uncharted waters, right? And and it's amazing. I've, I've been starting to I'm, I'm starting to TikTok to do youth sports or just sports in general. As a coach, I want to start giving these nuggets of just just philosophy about competing, right? And I think it's really easy when we're watching in real time to look at a team and see they're doing a, when in hindsight, B would be more successful. And, and you know, what I, what I was hearing a lot about sponsor was like, she's not as aggressive as she used to be. Right. Hmm. And, and we pretend or we forget 
that you're playing against other world-class athletes. Like these people, it's like watching pro sports and listening to local media and, you know, 108 years in the Cubs win a World Series and within two or three years, we're just bashing them again. And yeah. we act like, well, if they just did A, B, and C, they'd be winning World Series. And it's like, hey, there's 29 other teams in the country with other world-class athletes and world-class administration. Oh, hold on. I think I'm coming right back. In 10 seconds. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's all right. We, we act like that, that, that you need some luck. If opportunity is where preparation or if luck is where opportunity meets preparation, you got to do your half. You got to prepare. You got to put the work in. Right. But you need things to fall in your favor. You need other people to, to not have those things bounce their way. You need them to not make the right counters. Right. Especially and, at this level when everyone right. is. So everyone's so, great. So, yeah, there were moments where they looked like a 24 and 25 year old that had never qualified for the Olympics. It was their first run at it. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe it wasn't that they didn't believe. Maybe it wasn't that Sponsel wasn't was intentionally being passive. They're figuring out what works and what doesn't. Right. Yeah. And and maybe it took getting really close. But at the end of the day, close doesn't change the gap. And they get done with Cancun. They got two tournaments left Mm -hmm. and they look at each other and they're like, we got nothing like we're going to do it or we're not. Oh, so a liberating the treasure feeling. and just go. Yeah. And when a team plays and they're focused on just balling mm-hmm. instead of like, are we going to qualify? Or are we not? And all of a sudden things start working that weren't working before. And you get that momentum going. And it's like, Hey, I don't care if we're going to like the best when we're in the zone. It's not that we don't make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's how we respond to it. When you make, I remember watching Jeremy K Spears first win. And I knew, I knew. Oh, it's Seattle. Well, you say you can't know. I knew he was going to win because those Mike was picking him up. And every single time that a play didn't go his way versus previous matches, I'd watch him in the semis and the finals. And you could see the tension like I'm so close, but it didn't go the way I wanted that play. And then you're carrying it. And you saw that day. He was like, next ball, next ball, next ball. Mm -hmm. He was just possessed on battling for every individual point. And I think with Clays and Sponsel, you saw him get that, you know, they, they, they hit their stride mm-hmm. and, and yeah, so happy for them. If, if boy, when I don't want to go into specifics with it, I'm just going to say this. I was so excited for them. The Vegas <clears throat> odds. Mm-hmm. If you had made odds when Hughes and Clay's broke up and the rumors on why they broke up and what they were playing. Like if you had said at that point that Clay's was going to be the one going to the Olympics, what would, would could you get odds on that? I mean, my girl, Holy listen, crap. my girl would have took everybody's money. She was like, <laughs> I, I mean, look, everyone's two. talking about like Sarah Hughes at the time was the next Misty May, and that's a lot of pressure in this and that. But my my girl was like, who's also named Kelly, by the way. Mm-hmm. What about Kelly? She just kept saying, watch, watch. My girl, I'm telling you, dead up. She's Honestly, Kelly, my girl's the only reason why I even try to reach out to Kelly Clays to come on the podcast. Because me, I'm like, you know me. I'm like, I'm, I only want people on here, one, who are interested, interesting, and two, who are interested. 
Like if you're not interested, that's okay. There, right? It's a, it's a big volleyball world, right? It's yeah. especially out of the zip code. But sorry to interrupt. But she, uh, I just want to say that my girl would have took my girl would have took everybody's money. <laughs> yeah, I just the thing that I'm really happy about is again, like you know what? Again, whether they had succeeded or not, like they're in the arena, and it's just it, it. Maybe I'm just getting older. It really bothers me when I watch yeah. people that aren't in the arena. These girls are 24 and 25. At worst, they're going to be the number three or four team in the entire country. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here saying, well, they just need to do this, that, and the other because they're taking ninths in the world. I know. Like, like we have to be realistic that no matter how hard everyone plays, if I got four kids that are competing and they do everything that I ask them to do, and they compete so hard, there's no point where I'm going to blow the whistle and stop the play and say, you both get a point. That's the beauty of sports. Like my there, dad was there can my only first be coach. One, right? There can only yeah. be one. Yeah. My, my dad, uh, well, I like sports. My dad was my first youth sports coach that I, that I, I mean, he's, he's my hero. He's a, I didn't realize growing up that I was going to do what he did. He's a volunteer for my basketball team. And one of the things he talked about, we were a small, we were big fish in a small power, small Catholic school league. We won 99 and 20. I remember the record. He kept stats kind of sick. He was pretty competitive. But he said, he's like, sports is most kids first experience with failure it's the first time in a lot of kids lives that they pursue a goal and they're going to fall short and teaching them how to deal with that you know these kids a lot of them 94 percent of my kids are not going to play in college statistics say it but we can teach them how to deal with adversity in a manner that will benefit them in their relationships it'll benefit them in their educational benefit them in their careers yeah and how they and, te- and how they teach others and and it bothers me like we sit here coaching kids and we're like why are they so scared to make mistakes when a they're coming from programs that the moment they make a mistake a coach that doesn't know how to fix it just benches them and screams at them and b they're watching these 24 7 networks or if they're paying attention to forums they're watching like again clay's and sponsor how many players in the world would would not trade places with them if they were trying to get as good as they can. Yeah, like 20, and how many people don't, would not want them on their team, right? And and we sit here just because they're not playing their best ball or they're not succeeding in a wins losses column. Right. And we're just we're, we're pretending like there's a fix. And mm-hmm. sometimes we get we got to we got to go through those losses to have the opportunity to say what are these teams doing that we're not? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do differently, yeah. right? And the, the kid the people that can do it like it's weird that at 24 and 25, they're as good as they are. Mm-hmm. There's some people that train their entire lives and work as hard, and they just, something's not there that those two have, right? I t- and so, got it. well, I think yeah. you're right. Like, any any one of us would want them on our team, you know? Sponsor is a savage. Sponsor is always, I mean, even playing at UCLA, um, even like the one year she played at LMU for John Mayer before she transferred to UCLA, I've always thought her as like a dynamic person or someone that keeps the mood light, and I thought, um, that mentality, because I'm not, I'm not talking. We're not talking about the physical, right? Because as high as Kelly Clay's can jump, there's always someone better. So as, as well as she blocks, there's always someone better. As well as uh, sponsor set, there's always someone that doesn't take it that far down. I was talking <laughs> I knew, about. I knew it was gonna be something different than yeah, better. I thought, um, <laughs> but um, no, but I, but the way she keeps the mood light, I thought was sustainable for like a 20, 30 year career. So I've always knew they could do it. So only speaking for myself, the level of frustration is like if 
like you just said, like after Cancun, maybe the mentality is, wait, you know what? Let's just let it fly. What else have we got? To, if the worst thing that can happen is we don't go to the Olympics, we're no better or worse than we were before. Or we could we could do this another way. Now, speaking for other people, because Travis Muirwitter addressed what you did, and he, um, you and him are in the exact same sheet of music about um, the... I forgot who the quote was from. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena. Uh, really, yep. really cool quote. You, who was that? Come uh, on, come on you educate me. Um, Theodore um, Roosevelt? Yes. Yeah, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives yep. valiantly. And, and the last sentence is, um, at least fails for a while. They fail while, doing, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat, right? And there's always people, like, if I have something to say, like, per personally coming at me, what, dude, what are your qualifications? Who the fuck are you, or this or that? And I have something to say to them, only speaking for myself. There are levels of fair criticism, people, all right? Yeah. If I'm at a restaurant, and I know this isn't steak, I know it's liver, I dare the waiter to come up to me and say, are you a chef? If you're not a chef, then shut the F up. I'll pop him in his mouth, okay? And I'll <laughs> pop any of y'all in the neck if y'all come at me like I that. I think we okay? talked about that last. Um, all right? That's, but that's one level, all right? Just, there's a general thing. Just, just like your eye test, which you see, because maybe it might be steak, right? But my, my, my tongue test says it's not. And it's like, okay, it's a different kind of steak. And yeah, educate yourself. Then there's the level of somebody who has been through been in the arena right as a player or coach long enough in the arena where they are where they they do allow themselves the liberty to have fair criticism jeff van gundy right never played in the pros he's one of the best coaches ever chuck daly never even dribbled the basketball ain't nobody gonna say that that if chuck daly looks at someone and says he you know there's some plays where it was out you know whatever might tell you they don't want it they ain't gonna come at them so without me getting into the whole validation game about my past about some of the teams that I set that won nationals, Poland, Bamis, or whatever. Uh, the time I spent in Germany, all of this, most of this indoor. I can only say this about beach. I made sure I played in the Manhattan Open one time. <laughs> I was 47 years old. And this, I played Jake Rosner and TK. Yeah. TK Kohler. And, this, and look, for a 47-year-old, I put up 16 points against those guys. That's whatever. But I did that. Nice. I did that. So some... some some imbecile out there who who's who wants to have a, a penal measuring contest with me about my credentials versus theirs cannot tell me why don't you go in there one time and see how it feels and i'm like on the beach level hey got you covered right you know on the coaching level you know got i worked with rafu eventually got the chip getting the team in the main draw earl big pro was at this tournament uh, uh new orleans this time he's with chris austin he was Oh my God, womb. So, uh, but the point I was trying to make, there are levels of criticism, levels of, levels of fairness. And sometimes instead of looking at the person criticizing them, how about they spend some time looking at the critique itself? You know? It's not even about who's doing it or even their credibility, right? It's, it's, are we making criticisms that are hypothetical, right? So, so... When we were watching or unfair? Camp, what are we talking well, about? Well, we I'm, talking just, about I'm, not, I'm not knocking. I'm just making an observation. When you say, you know, it, it it's fair to say, in my opinion, it looks like they're they don't have the confidence based on right? my experience. Right. Well, it's not even about experience. It's, it's your you're watching, and regardless of your experience, it's your opinion. You could be uneducated, mm -hmm. 
And if you watch it and you say, in my opinion, this is what it looks like, it doesn't invalidate it. Mm-hmm. It's when I watch people say they should be doing this or they are not doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, as an absolute in a situation that you can't possibly be in their head and know if that's accurate. So, no. case in point. It's all a guess, dude. When we watched uh, Cancun, Chris and I were, were watching a lot. And, and what we were kind of doing, because she's competing, is we were watching matches and we were talking about, okay, if you were on this side and you're down at the switch, you know, at the technical or at this point, what's the strategy, right? And, and so, we were watching Qatar versus Norway. And it was the match that Qatar... The first was, finals or the won, second one? I don't remember which one. What I know is Qatar won the first one, and they were up in the second, and there was a timeout. Okay. And Kristen looked at me and said, what do you think? Now, I'm going to tell you, I, I got it. I, it worked out the way I perceived it. But when I said it to her, I was very – it wasn't like they need to do this, and this is why they're losing. It was, right. you know, Qatar is comfortable at the pin. They seem to really be – doing well there and not that they can't push that but i would be serving their middle more aggressively to make that angle tougher so that maul can do his work and they came out of the timeout and boom three in a row serving the middle house 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 and they came back at one and three i'm not saying that like i'm sitting there and i'm like they do this they're gonna win right Mm -hmm. my experience what it tells me is i can see what a team's doing that's giving the other team trouble and I understand the angles of the game that I know what you can do. It doesn't mean they can't succeed still, but it's going to make what their plan A is harder. Yep. And I think that's really important at all levels. Yeah. You know, I think the I think the younger, you know, some people would say, my, my kids that are 13, we, we just did a practice with kids. It's their second day of beach ever. Mm-hmm. And they're pole blocking. They're, they're running three hits and they're running – with a blocker and pulling mm-hmm. it, it's as simple as we're only doing lines and you're going to get in front of the hitter. And if that ball's not coming over on the tape, you're pulling like that's yeah. as simple as we got. Right. But yeah, and they're doing it. And the reason it's important at the younger ages to teach it right is because that's an age where strategy, even if you're not able to hit the balls hard, if you strategize with what you're doing, because your opponents are typically not as adaptable themselves and not as athletic and not as refined, you can lose a game. I had a team once lose a game 21-3. I, I was coaching a club. I hadn't worked with these pair in practice. And and they just get served off the court. It's their first tournament ever. And and I haven't even talked to them strategy. So they come off the court and I'm like, oh, what, what, are, what are you girls feeling? What do you think? Because at this point they might be, we're done. You know, There might be nothing I could say. They just want to go home. And they were like, well, that didn't go. So they were very objective. Like, well, we just didn't really keep the ball in play. And I was like, okay. So here's what we're going to do. They're serving the ball, and all I want you to do is get behind it, and if you're going to miss, you're going to miss four. We're going to put that ball over the net. We're going to make them earn it, not on their serve. They won that game 21-12 against the same team. Like, think about it, losing 21-3 and the next game winning 21-12, right? Jesus. It's so cool. <clears throat> doesn't have to be rocket science. doesn't have to be all this crazy stuff. We don't yeah. have to have these fancy drills. I mean, we, we went to a whole podcast kids. and didn't even cite a study, so I get that. <laughs> you know, we, we have to – be aware of what the other team is. It something we're making a mistake and we have to adjust our spacing and timing and strategy, or is it something the other team is doing and we have to neutralize that. Mm-hmm. And, and when you give players the tools, it, it's not a magic. I tell them it's not a magic equation saying there's always a fix that's going to end in victory. You're mm-hmm. going to get beat sometimes. But if I can walk off the court and say, you know, 
they did plan B. It was working. They were beating us. So we alternated mm-hmm. what we were doing. They had to go to plan, you know, their plan B. Then we adjusted to that. If you, you know, in a match, make them do three or four different things and they do them all well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got outplayed. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I said the worst thing to do is to get very tunnel vision and stuck in what you're trying to accomplish. They've made their adaptation and you walk off the court and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like the last year I played indoor nationals, I didn't played indoor before that season for four years and I got stuck in a match. I had a shorter setter and I wasn't respecting him and he kept soft blocking me and the tip was wide open. And I just, after the match, you know, I was like, man, I, I knew what I could have done differently. And I got stuck. I, I got meatheadish, right? Like, we want to teach these people. It's it's not, it's not about there's always a correct solution. It's that there's good alternatives to attempt, so that you can walk off the court and say, you know, hey, yeah. there, there was nothing else I could try today. Yeah. And maybe you know, experience is what you get when you didn't get what you want. I love that quote. Mm-hmm. And and that's an opportunity for you to say, okay, we tried all these things and that team was better than us. So what do we need to do between now and the next time we run into them? Is it athleticism? Do we need to work on our conditioning? Yeah. Our core flexibility? Is it they had certain plays that they can run and technically we weren't good enough to adjust yeah. to it? You know, man, they served that high lofty ball and we kept backpedaling and getting caught yeah. high. Do I need to work on my drop step and yeah, my but, base positioning? But, like, but, that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to, to, as athletes, we want to make sure that we're thinking about the game and what's the story of the game and how do we need to change what we're doing to give ourselves a better potential for outcome. And, you know, as coaches, like, you know, when I'm in the box with Kristen, mm. we, we have base principles, but every match we have to be adaptable to what the other side's throwing at us. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about right now, I mean, you're, you, you are talking about just um, exercising a technique or, or, or physical thing that makes you that – you're, you're so comfortable with it that they're not thinking that allows their mind to not worry about all, the, all those other stressful situations. That's not what I was talking about. What I'm talking, have you ever seen Game of Thrones? Didn't watch it. All right. I'm going to say something about someone named Queen Daenerys, Game of Thrones. She's white hair or whatever and this and that. In fact, my kid, my four-year-old looks like a baby version of her for anyone that knows. <laughs> so she had a look. Um... Her best friend got her head lopped off by this kingdom or whatever, and then she showed up. You better put a spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, I know no, it's been listen, a long she, time. Some people are good. Three, two, one, bugger off. All right, so um, <laughs> she shows up at their front door with, with dragons, and then what they do is they just ring the bell to surrender. And because she's hurting, and because her friend dies, like, Rhea's like, sorry, don't mean shit. And so she has a particular look. And the only reason why I bring it up, and I'm going to bring it back, Kanye West style, okay? Um, she had a particular look that only women have, but men know it when they see it. It's grief and anger at the same time. And since I'm an actor, my baby, I'm going to show it to you. It looks like this. Anger. It's like you want to lash out, but you can't. And, am I going to cry? But, or am I going to kill but, the person Exactly. In front but of at me. the same time, you don't want to see people see you cry either. And it looks just like I'll do it again. <laughs> men don't have that look. But they know it when they see it. And, and the only thing you can do is go up, get uh, close the distance, give them a hug, <laughs> right? So, because you're in the eye you of the storm. Hold, you no, you're in the eye cry. of the storm. You're in the eye of the soon to be storm and you're safe or be somewhere else. So, the point I was trying to make was with Clay's and Sponsor, there was a particular look 
not in, not in the face, but like whatever that was consistent with what my my assertion was. But, but was then, it that they but didn't? Then, no, wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold sorry, on, hold on. Fair. But then, when she got rid of the look, she said one word in the Game of Thrones. It's called Jakaris. Jakaris, and I don't know what language is. I think means rain fire. And then her dragon. Then she goes straight dragon lady, and the dragon burns the whole freaking place. They down. threw a crumb and so she threw a pie. My opinion changed when I saw one one demeanor. Mm-hmm. And then Clay's and Spalso just changed up and the face changed and I saw Dracaris. And I was like, oh shit, they're in trouble. When I saw when I saw the look and the nature and the demeanor and the aggressiveness, all of those things that we as experienced as coaches and players have seen over and over and over again that is consistent with true champions, true winners, when that changed, so did my opinion. I don't apologize for my opinion before. I mean, I'm I'm a commentator. I, I mm-hmm. I'm I'm not your I'm not your freaking friend. We ain't mm-hmm. friends. We don't we don't right. We don't go sing karaoke together. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean. So um, but when I saw that, I saw and I hope they watch Game of Thrones and I hope they're watching this podcast. Um, and I don't ask, I don't beg for forgiveness, but I ask for understanding. Um, when I saw and I if I if they saw Game of Thrones and they see they hear me say Dracarys. They'll get it. And I hope that you get it, what I was talking about. I do. And and I've only got one question. I'm not just even – you could be right. Mm-hmm. You could be right, right? Yeah, I and, could be wrong. Here's, I'm not – who's, who's saying here's it to the, a fact? Right? Who's talking about this to a medical to, – to a fact? No way am I talking about facts here. No way. But I, you know, so here's the question, and they're the ones to answer it. And I think you know, if you ever get them on, I think it would be really interesting to know. The look, I, got, I got the I balls to was, ask. Well, it's not even about balls. It's just honestly, like I think, as a competitor, as anyone mm-hmm. that is listening to them, I, it's a it's a interesting perception. Hey, we saw the body language, like in Cancun. It it was what it what the look is is uncomfortability. Right. Right. Is it that they didn't think that they could win? Maybe. Or was it? But maybe. Well, right. Let I me ask a question. Let me ask a question. Let please. me ask a question. No, go ahead. Is it is it that they didn't think that they could win, or was it that they were struggling to figure it out? You know what I'm saying? There's a mm-hmm. difference between I don't believe and like it took me 15 times to get a match off Billy Kalinsky. 15 times. I never walked into a match not thinking that my best that day couldn't beat him. I never walked into a match that I lost. Even that 14th loss, mm-hmm. I went in. I, what I knew was every match I was getting closer, right? I never knew if I was going to get above him, but I knew – that I wasn't going the wrong way. And and there were moments where you could probably look and you probably saw not not the you saw a look that you could see with me. It wasn't that I never believed, it was that I was frustrated because I was playing and it wasn't even Billy, it was his partner Kyle Buckley. Was it a here we go again? It no, it was it was Okay, so one tournament. I think we've talked about this, but but boy, we got eleven we, minutes, boy. I know, I know, I know. This is quick. We we <laughs> lost in in the winners bracket to them, 21-18, 21-13. The last game was a thumping. We couldn't uh. side out on Billy; he was too big, and we were stuck in the middle. And I looked at my partner. It was an indoor tournament, so the wind was not a factor. And I was like, no matter where our, if we make it, I, actually, I said when. I remember, I said when we make it back to the final. We are going to try. We're going to try and make it simple, but we are setting everything to the pin because by getting to the pin, now Billy can't get around us and his partner 
would sit in the middle, Kyle, and Kyle is one of the most underrated players in the Midwest history, in my opinion. I love the way Kyle Buckley played. Um, and I think, you know, Billy was great. Billy obviously had a, has had a better career. I, I think Kyle deserves absolutely his share of that half of all the yeah. opens. And Billy would co-sign on that. So Bill so, would definitely co-sign on that. So that final, we make it to the final, and we went from getting thrashed to winning the first set. We lost in three, 15, 10. And if you watch that final, because I've got it on tape, you'll see they, at first, they're frustrated. Like, that look, like, what just happened? We just kicked this team's ass. We've been kicking their ass for a year. And all of a sudden, they're figuring some stuff out. But the thing is, is Kyle, like, within a set, he knew the adjustment. And he got it. And they won, right? So it's just So what was your question? What did you say? You had a question. This is a point so, to a so, question. So my point, what my point is, is I always felt I can win. And I would argue that you don't get to the Olympics without having that confidence. John McEnroe said, you got to have some ego to get number one. Yeah. I don't, I think that look can also mean I know what I'm doing isn't working. And I know I can win. I know I can figure it out. But my tool bag, like I'm, I'm, I'm continually adding tools, but I haven't found the one mm-hmm. that gets the job done. Yeah. And and I think sometimes that gets misinterpreted. Yeah, and um, we never really know, right? right? That was just my my guess, just based on experience. If you can, like Avengers, if you consider fair experience, no, I consider experience experience. So you know? so I would like um, to know when when you know if if they ever got interviewed about their process getting mm-hmm. to this point. You know, I was, hey, dude, so, I was some home. people saw saw some things that that it was clear you were uncomfortable uh-huh. with with the tournaments leading up to to the ones that you wanted. Dude, can I say what, something? What were you feeling? I was homeless for eight months. My mom kicked me out of the house. I slept on trains. I had no money. It was winter. A train is the only warm place I could do. I I, I had I worked got a job at McDonald's closing at night, so I didn't have to sleep on the train. I could just stay up and then sleep during the day. Try to get enough money to, to rent a place, right? One night, someone has, takes a razor blade, cuts my, my, my pocket, slips the wad of cash that I had, and slips it out. That was the lowest mm-hmm. point in my life. And there are people watching me sleeping on the train saying, this guy gave up. This guy gave up, all right? He, 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 he you know, he, he, this is the lowest point, and, he's, and there's no way he's going to get out of this. Now, that wasn't a fact. That was their assertion based on what they seen by watching other homeless people that looked like they gave up. Even at that point, that was my darkest hour, I never gave up. All right. I, I still had hope and I still had whatever. Eventually, eventually I got my shit together. The best thing I ever did was join the military, you know, um, just just get a discipline uh, um, and even learn a trade if I wanted to do it, uh, you know, the generator mechanic and this and that. Um, and Thank all, you, all but Brian, but all the way up to this point to where I am now. Well, well, I don't even have to worry about money. I don't, I don't. In fact, my brand and my bottom line are separate. That's why it allows me to say these things, because mm-hmm. if I say these things, the consequences don't hurt my bank. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I guess the point I was trying to make, what I saw in my experience mm-hmm. was something that I've seen before, but I always leave room. And this is why I'm going to lose this argument. This is why I'm giving you the you get the victory on this one, even though you're not, you know, I'm no not giving you shit um, <laughs> that just because it's what I've seen before doesn't make it so. 
doesn't make it so. And I and really, I it's not like they proved me wrong. They they're not out there thinking thinking what the hell is Jason's thinking. So we get that one out of the way. But I'm a USA. The point I was trying to make is I'm a USA guy. What I saw was, I hope I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, give me that crow boy. Give me that crow for dessert. You know, I just throw a little garlic. I put garlic on everything. I'm good. Give me that. I'll eat that crow. I'll eat that crow raw. I'll I'll eat it cooked. And and congratulations to them. And there, I'm. A, everyone knows me. I'm not just a USA guy. I am a patriot. Okay. I didn't join the army because it was the only way out. I got my shit together before I joined the army. So again, thank, I'm just thank I'm you, just man. saying that the thank it. you. But every male member of my family served too. So it was one of them things we just had we just had to do. But pointing out to people that are questioning my past, like I had a job at a law firm, you know, before I joined the army. I just needed I just needed a change. I needed to get the hell out of New York, you know, but and eventually came back and fell in love again with New York. But I fell in love with Sponsor and Clays. Mad, mad respect and i hope they win the goal i hope i actually i hope they whoop i mean i'm gonna put myself in a hole again but i hope they whoop april and alex how how about that i hope they play the usa plays each other for the gold and the real at that point the real winners are us right because we got two usas in the finals but like just like karch and Stephens against dodd and, Whit- and whitmarsh i'm like i hope karch and Stephens whoop their behind you know <laughs> good problems Good problems, and, and that's I, go ahead. man. That's gonna be a mm-hmm. tough one. Like, yeah. you know, I, I like both those teams. Well, and if they don't beat them, me, they don't win. Chat. They don't win Russia. The only the they only, had to beat them to get to get to the finals to win. They beat them in the third set. Right, and I, I guess for me, I, I would I wouldn't mind. I mean, again, I want both of them to be successful. Mm-hmm. If they if one had to get the goal, if they played each other in the final match. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason I might tilt the scales to April and Alex is for April. I mean, she's got the bronze, she's got the the silver, you know. So, uh, you know, Clay's and Sponsel, twenty four and twenty five, if I get that correct, you know, th- if if April doesn't get it, this is it, right? Yeah. A lot of people are are saying this is going to be the end, even though I think she looks pretty no, good. No, but... she's become immune to old age. <laughs> so she, you know, you know right? We, we as so humans I, are becoming immune to old age, and and there's our floor model. And I and I love you know again you can like both teams mm-hmm. you know and and you know so again it's if they make it both to the gold medal match. How awesome is that for for the United oh, States? Just give it, just and, give it uh, to me. Give me, give me a little piece of heaven in case I'm not ahead of their people. Uh, John Anthony um, on the live stream said, oh, "Love up, the content, guys, and I loved and I hope to listen to you guys again soon." Which is a yes, but not, but not now because somebody got to go. Um, Four minutes early, man. We're good. Yeah, that's, well, let's let's wrap up now us. because I came back home from New Orleans and my, my girl was like, "Forget this shopping shit." And he's gonna do it when he gets home. He's gonna do it when he gets. <laughs> home so um gotta get the baby goo man gotta get the diet <laughs> pepsi get my aspartame kicked so so um is hey, there any i want me, you man. to plug in your site uh your website and i want you to plug in your club or whatever before you sure. leave. hey i mean so progression volleyball um we have two indoor beach volleyball courts in chicago we work with all ages and levels 11 and up my whole theme is we coach for you you don't play for us i i left indoor it's not a knock on clubs because Beach offered me an opportunity to truly give every single athlete the same opportunity for growth. When I coached club, the challenge is, is the bigger your organization gets, the more coaches you need, the more coaches you need. You, at some point, your basement's going to drop, no matter how much in-house you know, coaching you try Listen and help. to this promotion so like, machine. Are you going to sponsor so, my podcast next time? Are you going to send this promotion machine? You told me to machine. plug. Do you want me to plug it <laughs> I'm having fun with you. Come on. You're not going to have fun so, with you before you go. But but I do want I, I want to share something with you. And if someone hears this, 
I'm not even saying I want people to like, hey, play for me. I'm saying is if you're an administrator of youth sports or athletics in general and you like what I'm about to say, reach out to me. Let's become allies. Let's build a movement, right? Um, I like beach because the bigger my program gets, the more hours I coach. I coached seven hours yesterday and freaking love it. Yeah. I, I work with kids. They're going to go play in college. Yeah. I Dude, you do 17 if they if someone let you. <laughs> I, I work, you know, with kids that, that have basically – it's tough. The first thing I had to teach them is it's okay to make mistakes because they've been screamed at and not given the proper development on how to do it better. And they're, they're, they just think they're bad. And uh, I don't mm -hmm. like that. We've created a registration system for our families um, where they can pay a certain amount and it's like a balance. So 500, 1,000, 2,000. The more they pay up front, the cheaper each lesson is. Um, it's nice versus club because you know if you miss, you, you get a seven month commitment and if you miss events, you just eat that cost you only pay for the events that you go to. You only pay for the practices you go to. And it's been awesome. We got kids that know they're, they're hardcore beach. They're paying 2000 bucks and their practices are $10 cheaper every time. We got kids that are, you know, dipping their toes in the water, they're gonna pay a little bit more, but they, they don't have to commit something where for the family, if they don't have a lot of money that it makes or breaks and we do payment plans. Uh, and, and never more than eight kids on the court. Every kid's getting the same instruction, the same system. It's new and I am absolutely putting it out there because I think while youth sports has been really good financially, I, I, my life goal is to reform youth sports as big as I can. If it's just in my area, that's great. If it's just my program, that's great. But I think that there are a lot of coaches out there that can do it better. John Anthony actually runs Stride Volleyball Club out on the East Coast and that's a guy for indoor that does things a little bit differently and, and really cares about families top to bottom. So if you're a youth sports person and you're in an environment that's a little more cutthroat than you want and you want to do things different, but you're afraid because it is, you know, I'm blazing my own trail and it's been difficult at times, um, but we're getting through it and we're learning and the families are loving it. I would love to help you do what you want to do so that you can give a sustainable model to yourself while providing uh, to kids what you want. So that that's my plug. And I hope that's fair. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to borrow some of that to promote my podcast. I mean, I got to get a mission statement and we both got to get out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian McDermott, it's episode 92. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show, man. Well, sooner well, sooner or later, please. Yeah. To you, right. I'm, I'm 16 hour work days right now. I am on so limited sleep. And I'll tell you, the first time we did this podcast, Jason, I was like, man, he is all over the place. Like it was it was overwhelming because I hadn't really watched and it was like I, I couldn't keep up. And, you know, for some people, I think when we're different, people don't necessarily they look at that and they don't like it. And to me, what I like about you, Jason, is you're going to you're genuine. And in an environment, we just watched a, a boxing match where perception and entertainment is what motivates a lot of people on what they say and do. I will come on your podcast anytime you're willing to have me because you, whether we agree or disagree, there's a mutual respect. I know when you tell me something, I don't have to turn my back and say, what's he really feel? And I love what you're doing, um, promoting the sport. I love your brand and, and thanks for what you do, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to, I don't know where this journey's going with us, but I have a feeling we're just getting started. To quote the great Louis Gossett Jr. from, um, uh, officer and a gentleman.
get the fuck out, get the fuck out of here. You're going to make me cry <laughs> at the end when he's like, I'll never forget this. And, and Louis Gossett Jr. Sued him. He says, just get the fuck out of here because, and so I say that affectionately because I don't want to cry. And I, I, it means a lot because it, it, you got me, Pat, you got me down, Pat. You got me down, Pat. And it feels, it's refreshing to see other people see where I'm coming from and really what I'm trying to do, which in the beginning, I wasn't really sure. I just went on the field. I'm always like, what are you doing? I'm like, I know what I'm doing. She's like, what is it? I'm like, I don't know. But now I know, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, Brian McDermott, mad love, man. See you at episode 100. <laughs> hit my, <laughs> like gonna hit my music, baby. All right, later. Come check out the Option Podcast on optionvb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Angel. You're going to love what you hear.